0: Hi friend, welcome to this week's podcast from the First Baptist Church of Nokomis, where we are building the kingdom of God through the lives of everyday people. If you are new, you can visit our website at fbcnokomis.com. Click on our visitor information page to sign up for our e-newsletter or to learn more about our ministries. We also invite our regular listeners to partner with us and support our digital ministries by clicking the give on letter. oh And we are going to get into something potent this morning, so I hope you're sitting at a place you can... Just take this in. It's gonna push in some areas that maybe are uncharted territories for you. I've been doing a sermon series on the doctrine of Jesus Christ, basically saying that you know, in order to shine bright, you have to know Jesus more. You have to understand who Jesus was and who he is, so that in knowing him better, you will just more naturally shine that joy and that life of Jesus to others. And it is truly a win-win. So on one hand if somebody says well you're really just asking me to follow Jesus at my own expense, you're missing that. The, the more you are under His grace, the more your life improves, the more content you become, the more relaxed you are about the world being in in this sort of quasi chaotic uh, situation that we see. And you go, you know what, it, it bothers me, but it doesn't consume me. Well, that that life of Jesus, the more you understand and, and abide in him, that all of a sudden naturally pours out to others what I want to get into this morning uh, in introducing tomorrow's sermon. So tomorrow I'm going to uh, just kind of regroup with some of these points. Um, so you're kind of getting a prequel to tomorrow's sermon. Uh, but in the concept of gospel, let's just jump right in. So here's the first thing I want to address address in the concept of gospel most people think of gospel as what type in the chat now or later but just answer the question to the best of your ability and forgive me i'm kind of setting you up you may think you're going to get it right but there's a challenge to that i just want you to be open and honest about what you think gospel is what is the gospel when we say gospel what does it mean and you're going to be somewhat right you can't really be totally wrong unless you really are outlandish with your answers but and giving you a minute and you a- ask the question I'm going with with Scott McKnight's the King Jesus gospel and it opened up really a revisited a perspective I remember from seminary and sort of overlooked because we as a church go about the gospel in a particular way and this is what we do we consider the gospel to be the salvation of Jesus Christ Now, that's not wrong but that's not the whole story okay follow this for saying it's not wrong to say the gospel is salvation, but it's not the whole story. It's like asking you what's your favorite part of your car. If you get into your car and you say your favorite part of your car, might be the radio, might be the leather seats, might be heated seats, might be heated steering wheel. um, Whatever you might particularly appreciate about the car, at the end of the day, no one piece of that is the whole car. If I asked you what's your favorite uh, part of your house, you might say your couch, your TV, your living room, your bedroom. Um, some might be the coffee maker but that no one thing is the whole of the house so here's the thing I want to position this morning when I'm talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ I'm encouraging a, a new perspective a larger perspective that is not simply Jesus as Savior but follow me for a second the gospel is about Jesus the King the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So in other words, the gospel story is about Jesus, this culmination of all of the Old Testament into this identity of Jesus Christ as the King of Kings. So let me give you a little background to how this plays out. The reason we have salvation is that it's an entry point into this kingdom story. The kingdom story goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were planted in a garden, and they were given this icon, uh, the language, what we might know as an icon, but literally the, the imago Dei, the image of God. They're image bearers. They're in this this image of God, and they're to govern the garden. Basically, every human being from Adam and Eve, if never sin entered the world, would be under, if you will, the beginning point of humanity, which would be Adam and Eve. The reason we know this is important to God is because as Adam and Eve's descendants, even in the fall, because the fall is them usurping their role as an icon or the Imago Dei, they didn't want to be under the governance of God to govern the earth. They wanted to be their own gods, little g, and goddesses, little g, and be their own gods and goddesses. So God kicked them out of the garden. But God still had a plan for them. What's the plan for them? Well, we see it play out that it becomes with Abraham. He says to Abraham, what? You will become a great nation. right?" He says, look up at the stars. Your descendants will be more numerous than what you see. And then out of Abraham, who has these sons, the, the sons and the sons, and then you have the 12 sons, and then Jacob's sons become the tribes of Israel, and then they're, of course, they're slaves in Egypt, and then Moses uh, comes in and says, let God's people go, and they escape, and they go to what? The promised land. Now, this is really cool foreshadowing. They're in the wilderness for 40 years, waiting for the time, and biding the time, till they are allowed Be in the Promised Land. How do they get to the Promised Land? What do they do there? All of a sudden, they establish a king. Now they wanted the people's king, so they they wanted Saul. Well, that was the people's king. looked He looked apart. He came from good stock, but he wasn't the right person. In fact, Samuel anoints David because he is one after God's own heart. So David is anointed the king, or becomes the king of Israel. After a while, the kings that were the descendants of David never lived up to the expectation that God had of a king to, again, continue to be a nation under God. So after a while, God reminds them over and over, you cannot be a rebellious people. I wanted you to be a holy nation, Exodus 19.6. Be a holy nation. And it wasn't simply to just be a good people uh, enclosed within themselves in the promised land God actually reminds them over and over you are to be a holy nation to exemplify me and my will to the nations Isaiah 49:6 says to all the Gentiles to the ends of the earth how much of this you catch on the foreshadowing right they couldn't do it they failed over and over and over so Jesus He enters into the story. The incarnation of God himself. And Jesus is now the culmination, right? Who is he a descendant of? King David. He's a culmination of all the Old Testament was intended to be. What Adam couldn't do right. What David's descendants couldn't do right. What as a holy nation they couldn't do right. So eventually we get to Jesus who now he can do it right. And this is kind of interesting. Jesus is now not only a Jew, a descendant, but he's also not a descendant, right? He kind of plays both citizen and alien at the same time, sort of this fully human, but fully God. And the reason that that's important is, as we've shared in the last few weeks, Jesus being fully God allowed him to have the capacity to die, but being fully human gave him the capacity to conquer death. Now, what does that have to do with the gospel? We all celebrate his death and resurrection as the opportunity for us to be forgiven for our sins. But what, now that I've given you the full picture, is he really accomplishing? He's reestablishing God's authority amidst humanity. And I can tell you one of the stories that puts that into a, a... a, a small microcosm of the greater story was when Jesus, after being baptized, goes into the wilderness led by the Spirit, Mark Matthew chapter four, to be tempted by Satan. Well, why is he going to the wilderness to be tempted by Satan? Now, now you see the parallels, right? As as the people, as Moses is taking God's people out, and they they battle through the wilderness for forty years to ultimately enter the Promised Land. So is Jesus going to the wilderness for forty days? And ultimately to lead us into the promised land, to become what Second Peter, what First Peter 2 9 says, to become a priesthood, a holy nation. We are a chosen people, a priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that we may declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness, out of the wilderness, become the nation of God's people, into the wonderful light. So here's what I mean. When we talk about gospel as Jesus our Savior, we sometimes minimize what gospel, the whole story, involves when we think of it simply for the purpose of salvation. And, and this is why I'm challenging it this morning because I think especially in light of last year and really having a renewed passion about community and our our culture as a church, that we are Christ followers, so often we have positioned simply a uh, selfish a, a self-sustaining perspective of Jesus that is our Savior, but not our King. Jesus, I really want you to solve the problems of my life, but we forget that that's an entry point into a new citizenship and a new way of life. Now, don't you don't you think that's why people hesitate really when it comes to the the call of of Christ to say, "Would come follow me," and and some people will look at it and go. It what's what's to miss out on? Don't you want to be saved? But I, I give it to you. It's like this. It's like saying, "I want to get off the Titanic, so I'll just jump overboard." You're not just leaving the sinking ship. You have to identify with what you're entering into, because there are some expectations in that new direction in your life. So it is honest for people to to stop and say, "Hey, do I really? Do I really want?" jesus to be my savior because in doing so as an entry point as a means to an end i'm what am i getting myself into yeah you're getting yourself into a new community i've told the church often of late and i'll continue and and share it tomorrow when you step into the church you are stepping into a citizenship this is holy ground This is space where two or three are gathered together in the Lord's name. We have something that is holy and special and spiritual and eternal that comes into that space. I've told my church it it should feel like you're coming into the embassy. If you feel like you know, the culture in which we live is so challenging, and you go, I don't know where to go. Then I say, you you should go to church, because as you go to church, and you identify as a citizen of a heavenly realm, you are coming into a holy nation, a holy people. Now, sometimes people say, well, that gets a bit cultic. You know, and we don't want to be in a cult. Well, the separation from that is... The rules by which we live on. So let's explain what kingdom life is really about. First of all, you need a king. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, but he's also the king of kings and Lord of lords. Well, you can read in Revelation 1, 5 through 8. He is now, by his death and resurrection, he is king of all nations, of all kings. In fact, it's one of the things that you might even challenge when people say, well, I have a private faith. And I say, well, that's wanting Jesus to be your personal savior. But Jesus isn't ending there. That's an entry point into his kingdom. And the reason you can look back on history and identify that is that the Emperor Nero wasn't sending Christians before the lions for entertainment and also to just an onslaught of Christians to make an example of them. He wasn't doing that because they said, well, I accept Jesus into my heart. He was doing it because they said, no, Jesus is greater than you, Nero. He is the king of kings. He's above all kings. And so while I will be a, 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 a dual citizenship, both of Rome, I will also acknowledge my citizenship of heaven. And that, that is what I serve first. Nero didn't want any part of that. So what does this perspective look like for us? Well, first of all, the 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 practice of a kingdom is just what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 as he said the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. King Jesus intended this new citizenship to permeate the culture around us that it would be transformed, right? Not transforming us, but us transforming it. And when you say, well, maybe that's a bit cultic. You know, you come to church and you sort of enter this new embassy or an embassy of Christ. You go, but that's that's not so we can manipulate. It has one simple redefining practice and behavior. You know what that is, right? Grace. Can you imagine if the world adopted grace? People ask me about my Christian faith and they say, look what Christians have done in the name of Jesus. And I say, well, If it's without grace, it's not really in the name of Jesus. That is one and the same. That death and resurrection ushers us in to be citizens of this kingdom. Our salvation creates that space for us as citizens of heaven who share the language, the currency of grace. Now we know our dual citizenship. We know that being American citizens or anybody of any nation has been born in a specific country and has a citizenship. And we use specific currency and we use specific language and you communicate and you interact. But there's what Jesus wants above that. That is a nation of priests, a holy nation, a people of God who are establishing a currency of grace at the same time. Now, what does that look like? Well, if Jesus is only your Savior, your God is too small. Right? If Jesus is only your Savior, then you've tried to manipulate God into giving you what you want out of the fires, if you will, but missing out on what it means to be in a full community in relationship to Jesus. If He's Lord of your life and King of Kings, then what does that look like? Well, I usually just identify on a very personal level. For me, it's a rich and wonderful prayer life. It's a prayer life that affords me the opportunity to stop talking. In fact, as an extrovert and preaching and as a pastor, I do a lot of speaking. But I can tell you there are moments in the morning that I am speechless. I just get into God's Word. And and I can tell you right now this morning to read Revelation 1, 5 through 8 is life-changing. If you would have the opportunity to go back through it and say, God, speak to me, and he says to you, his love that has freed you by the shedding of his blood, he's made us a kingdom of priests for God, his Father, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Now this one gets me. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him and those who pierced him. And all the nations will mourn for him. Yes. Amen. I invite you into the conversation. Do I understand my salvation as ushering me into a citizenship of a greater kingdom? Of the kingdom of God? How am I a part of that holy nation? Am I finding meaning in it? Does it? Does it bring me closer to Him when I want to have a conversation with Jesus as my Savior? I don't minimize Him to the point that He's just like me, that I don't also realize He is also the King of the universe. And that makes me feel pretty special to be a part of the one who is King of kings and Lord of lords. And that kind of goes beyond our identity politics and our culture wars, because you can sort of establish in the midst of it all, I serve one that is still greater, and they'll say, "Well, well, do you do that? Uh, what well, are the terms and agreements on which you do that, and 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 whom do you serve, and how do you serve?" And I just say, "It's a new set of rules. It's grace. It's grace, and grace always has a new answer, a new direction, a new perspective, of which we can find common ground, common grace, of which we can find peace in the storm." It cannot be undone. So I'd invite you to explore that in your devotional time and in your prayer life. God, where have I decided you were only my Savior and not my King? And where, as a citizen of heaven, am I serving as part of your royal priesthood, your holy nation? May the Lord bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. See you next time. And remember... God is building his kingdom through the lives of everyday people, just like you.